You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenlidge, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. You may have not heard our voices for a little while, because we have been slowing down a little bit with our busy schedules. Busy schedules. And and that's what we're going to blame it on. Yep. But we've got some exciting news to talk about it, that's it's very coming exciting, along. Yeah. And with this sort of schedule thing that's coming up and wanting to provide great episodes... Um, to everybody, we've kind of rethought our format and want to do something a little more special mm-hmm. with what we do. So we have a lot of fun having conversations about movies and TVs and books or whatever we're talking about, but uh, we thought we would go in a little bit more unique way. Even more extra textual. Even more extra textual. Another layer. And um, we're going to have a little bit more of a storytelling aspect yeah. to our show. So we're going to really do some handpicking of our guests and uh, take some time to choose who we're going to have on. And they're going to tell some great stories around movies they've seen, yeah. um, something inspired by a movie they saw, uh, some uh, memory they have watching a movie, something yeah. special to them um, to tell some good stories. Because I think we're, we're pretty big... Uh, story fans. Mm-hmm. Jeremy re- recently participated in the local Moth I did. live event mm-hmm. and uh, won for that evening. Oh gosh, you like yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I yeah. did. So we're big fans of sort of oral storytelling mm-hmm. and what that looks like and what it reveals about people and kind of the shared experience around mm-hmm. those stories, I think. So that's something we want to bring to the uh, podcast world and merge our sort of love of movies and um, storytelling, basically. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I've been listening to a number of other podcasts, in particular the Terrible Thanks for Asking podcast made by Nora McInerney up there in Minnesota, just across the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, that sort of solidified some ideas that I'd had about podcasts and things that we'd been thinking about in our mm-hmm. other podcast um, yeah. about breaking up what we do into seasons. Because mm-hmm. um, we don't, I mean, we're not a television show. We're not, we don't have an external schedule about what needs to be a season no rules, and whatnot. No rules, yeah. um, but I notice with podcasts that I listen to um, that are generally not divided uh, into seasons topically, like mm-hmm. some of the true crime ones, they, they generally undergo an evolution in their identity at each of the season breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, all, I mean... In my experience of listening to podcasts, it's always for the better. Yeah. Um, with Terrible Thanks for Asking, she has a much better sense at the end of each season, going into the next season, mm-hmm. what exactly it is she's doing, what exactly she cares about most, and sort of yeah. what unique element her podcast brings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what we're, what we're doing here as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, please feel free to spread the word that um, we're going to be doing something a little bit new and it's something you're going to want to share with your friends and colleagues and whoever you talk to about podcasts because I think it's uh, it's going to offer something a little bit different than you've heard um, in other podcasts. Yeah, and, and Stranger Things is coming up so you can probably bet that yeah, one, yeah, of our, yeah. one of our early um, episodes is going to be a, a story that involves us and our childhood and Stranger <laughs> Things and a variety True. of a variety of other things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, paranormal stuff. We've dealt a lot. Yeah, with that totally. Lots of paranormal lives. stuff yeah, yeah. in my life. That's the connection, right? Yeah. 
Um, Mainly Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, cool. So that's um, we're really excited about that, and we're eager to tell you more as things develop. But mm-hmm. watch out for that. It won't be too long of a break. We'll be back pretty soon yeah. um, with more episodes. So uh, keep keep us subscribed so you know when that shows up. Yeah, and I mean, Star Wars is coming up this True. winter. I, I'm, I am going right? to be watching that um, at the original Alamo Drafthouse, I believe, in Austin, Texas, with a good friend of mine. Wow. Whole family will be probably, or at least me and one or two of the kids. Um, yeah. So I'll have a unique experience to share mm-hmm. with you about that. I hope it's good. Mm, yeah. We'll see. And new... Rise um, of the Skywalker. Uh, I know Star story. Wars TV show, The yeah, Mandalorian, yeah, yeah. will be coming out right before that in November. Yeah, so. yeah and the, the Ahsoka season of um, Clone Wars, which I'm yeah. most excited about. And Disney will have all of our money. All of the yeah. monies. Or at least whatever it costs monthly for us to yeah, yeah, subscribe to, to whatever That's pretty does. reasonable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we are, with our sort of last of this regular format of our series, of our podcast, we are going to do sort of a wrap-up of what we've just been watching recently. Um, some things since we we haven't been doing episodes quite as often, and we've done a couple like special episodes on certain topics. So we're just gonna kind of take this chance to bring you some of the things that we've been enjoying recently and talking about. And don't worry, we'll still be kind of talking about some of that in our new format. I think we'll we'll still be mentioning some things we've been watching and yeah. appreciating, uh, along with some storytelling. Uh, so there's a few connections between what Jeremy and I have been watching, but I I have maybe a little bit longer list of things I just want to toss out yeah. that I've really enjoyed. But uh, a few of those connections, I think one we're really excited about is uh, season two of Fleabag yeah. was released, um, I think this month or last month, I'm not even sure, pretty recently. I watched it in like three days. Yeah, yeah. I watched it pretty fast. Too. I think it was probably two weeks ago. Yeah. So this month, probably. And I thought it was maybe even better than season one. There was some really clever things and just highlighted for me how sharp the writing is uh, in this this show. And just the dynamic of the back and forth between characters is really cool. And also, is it Andrew Scott who plays the priest? Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, I always loved him as uh, Moriarty and Sherlock. And here he gets to be a little more, even more playful, sort of. Yeah. Uh, and Without needing to be sinister in the way right. that Moriarty right. was creepy. Yeah. You know. I mean, I pretty much fell in love with him, too. He's so. fantastic. I mean, yeah. he was, he was, he, was um, it, he reminded me a lot of, the, I don't know the actor's name, but he mm-hmm. played Vincent Van Gogh in the episode of Doctor Who and Vincent mm-hmm. and the Doctor. I mean, it was like yeah. from three seconds on the screen, you know, <laughs> you, you, it was just, it was he was great. just so adorable and sincere and honest and animated and energetic i mean mm-hmm. you know you you don't doubt for a moment that he is this character in this place and time um, right and that has interests and motivations you can't quite fathom i mean just mm-hmm. it's just fabulous acting i mean right and who want, want him as your priest right right yeah um yeah i mean i think they're uh i had followed um her uh, phoebe wallerbridge mm-hmm. writing about season you know the possibility of season two mm-hmm. and people said you should do it she's like yeah. ah, i don't I don't have any more story she to has tell. A story to tell, yeah. Um, but she, you know, I she I read the article that when she started uh, writing in production, she said, mm-hmm. "Well, I think I sort of found the story." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and uh, I mean, in in the world, in, in a world, in a world of like <laughs> of Game of Thrones going to eight billion seasons and ending with a whole lot of questionable things. I don't watch the show, mind mm-hmm. you, but I hear yeah. about it all the time because that's what everybody, everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is some 
element of, of deep fantasticness um, that is someone who makes a, you know a show that is six a season that is six episodes long. Right. Um, it's nice. Yeah. You know, and a show that has two seasons. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Susp- I mean, I don't know. I suspect she'll only make two. Yeah, I'm um, guessing. Yeah. And and you know, I mean, if she fine, she could make a third one would be great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, part of what I think she realized, I don't know her, um, yeah. is that um, our main character has more of an arc to go through. Mm-hmm. And I had this experience to get extra textual. Mm-hmm. I was at the Shitty Barn, um, which is this music yeah. venue in Spring Green, which is fabulous. And I was ordering a taco from <laughs> this uh, place that comes and does tacos before the shows. Um, and I was, I don't know, I was chatting about something. Someone's like, hey, what are you doing and these days? And I was like, I'm watching this new show, Fleabag. Yeah. People I don't know. And, and, <laughs> and one person said, oh, what's that? And then another person, there's so many people in the story. Yeah. The second person said to the first person, oh, it's a story about a woman who makes terrible choices and she's a terrible person. And I was like, that is, is that not at been? all what the show is about. <laughs> I mean, um, so I was, I was like, that's, I'm artistically offended that yeah, yeah. comment and so but it made me sort of like what would be my response to that like how mm-hmm. would I formulate what it is in a sentence mm-hmm. um, and and I would say that only after watching the second season do you really get a sense that she's deeply troubled mm-hmm. um, and many people in her family are right but you I mean because when that person said I mean the sense I had of our character in the first season mm-hmm. is that she's always avoiding these really challenging feelings right um and i and i don't know exactly what they what her intentions were in the second season but one of the conceits mm-hmm. lots of planes tonight <laughs> one of these one of the conceits which i just could not get over because i thought it was so fantastic was like most of the times when she's with the priest mm-hmm. um, and she looks at us to, to talk to us mm-hmm. um, as oh, if, guess, yeah. uh, you know, as in the in la Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. um, he somehow notices. Yeah. It's brilliant. In the way that she sort of disappears. Right. Um, and and, it, and it, what it does is it, it puts us, it puts our viewership mm-hmm. um, as into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to see that, at least what I would say, like... That is her sort of stepping away and commenting internally sarcastically. You know, mm-hmm. something, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's a kind of behavior that you can watch and see in other people around you. Right. Um, and to somehow mark him as being sensitive to that sort of emotional disconnection with the present mm. was just fantastic. And because yeah. it, it's not, because it had very intentional meaning in the story mm-hmm. it wasn't just like oh she talks like ferris bueller oh he yeah, notices yeah. it because he's a priest and god and stuff right. no i mean it was um just fabulous because it allows her to he's the only person that kind of kind of breaks into that space mm-hmm. so i think that's what allows her to make the choice she has to make you know mm-hmm. to to be honest about the things that she feels right um which ultimately right. you know like in some sense the first season is about her best friend's death mm-hmm and her coming to terms with it, sort of, and yeah, the reality of it, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second season is certainly more about older hurt, which is the death of her mother, mm-hmm. um, and how that has influenced her life to that point. And I think it allows us to get like such a good shape of what that character is. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. The other thing is like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just such a funny writer. She's <laughs> yeah, yeah. just, I mean. Like, and there's like weird little moments uh, yeah. that make it... A- I mean, so 
like one of my favorite episodes in terms of humor mm-hmm. is the one where I think it's the second or third when she's like helping her sister give the Women in Business Award. Yeah. And like when she picked it up and immediately dropped it, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is, I, it, it was like almost Monty Python level funny. Right. Right after his sister was like, don't touch it, don't pick it up. Right. And it was like, it was like, cause, of course I'm not going to bring, oh, I just. Because the, the skill I think of all of those great, I mean, among, among it, like the great Monty Python sketches uh-huh. is timing. Yeah. It's like, it's something, like the, the point yeah. from when someone sets it up to the point that you have the payoff, it's, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, it's so, I mean, like, it's not like laugh out loud funny. Cause that right. would, that would cheapen yeah. like the beauty of that comedic moment. Right. Right. I mean, I think in general, like that unique timing yeah. is really what makes the show. Like, yeah. I think it was, I had a miscarriage. The second or third show episode where she goes to see, uh, like a therapist. Yeah. And just like that quick interaction back and forth and her talking to us, the audience, kind of breaking that um, third wall was like so quick and fast. Mm -hmm. um, That was just so well acted and well written. Yeah. uh, That was unbelievable. And I think those moments too, like you said, when we get the priest character recognizing that she goes somewhere when she does that. Like that also calls to attention when she's with the therapist, she kind of goes through and is like, well, what's going on? And she like very openly says like, I'm really good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm really good. She just like goes through and these like, these are things wrong with me. And so, but it's like her coping mechanism. Yeah. Like she's smart enough to know those things, but by acknowledging it so directly, she doesn't have to deal with, it. you know, like it's, it's a very like multi-level thing going on. And, um, and I thought that was like super smart. And I, I think it also does use the medium so well that we use that trope of like talking to the audience, these asides that you've seen before, but then uses it to actually speak to her character and who she is yeah. and how people operate. And I, and I don't know what you think about, we, we spoil everything here. So um, the, the end of Fleabag, she sort of seems to like run away from... Like she's sort she of leaves looking us. at, yep. yeah, and she like runs away. Like, why are yep. you following me? But I, I think there's some really cool things going on there. Because for a while, I didn't know what what we were supposed to think about her looking at the camera. Now, you know, um, who are we as the audience? Uh, is she sort of like really have some mental issues that she's like hearing voices, and that's supposed to be us or something like that? But uh, I think it's more just about her her internal sort of psyche but but yeah i thought that was really interesting yeah the other thing too in listening to one particular episode of terrible things for asking Mm -hmm. um there were uh a contrast of things in the show so there was Mm -hmm. someone telling what norm mcnerney would call like a traditional terrible things for asking story Mm -hmm. a story in which like something terrible happens and Mm -hmm. no one really understands and you're suffering by yourself and you still have to do your whole regular life, right? <laughs> right. Um, but it was, I think it was like a special one for a, I think a holiday. Hmm. And there's one, normal one. And then there was like two comedians telling sort of stories. And mm-hmm. I, I realized, I was like, oh, like th- that's how what, that's what a lot of what our culture does to talk about tragedies. Mm. They turn it into really funny things. And we're like, mm-hmm. ha ha, chuckle, chuckle. Yeah. Um, and what I've appreciated about her show if you're out there listening, Nora, and you want to like talk sometime, <laughs> um, we could tell you to do a combo show. Anyway, tell a story about a movie, maybe. Yeah, um, made you sad. 
what I like about her show is the, the way in which it is different and honest. Mm. Um, and I think part of what happens in Fleabag and part of what she retreats from mm -hmm. is like talking to us or, or, or you know, or like the, the general, like, who are we? Are we like, are, you know, are, we're the audience, we're people who on social media, we're mm -hmm. Twitter watchers. Like, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, the, we're the general audience that exists in the world of social media. Mm -hmm. um, she has turned her life into one that's quirky and funny and silly. And, oh, my God, wow, mm -hmm. for her audience. But, um, yeah. and she's totally honest about exactly what's wrong with her, except that it's not even really honest. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that there is some kind of, like looking at the contrast between like a traditional terrible thanks for asking episode and someone telling a comedic interpretation of mm. uh, a terrible thing that happened in their life, mm. um, there's no room for any emotion mm. in a comedic telling of a story, mm. except for like it has sometimes a cathartic effect, but it's yeah. it's not for me like as an orphan in the world. It's not educational. Mm. I can't learn oftentimes from from a comedic inter interpretation of a tragic event in the past as mm -hmm. much as I can from an honest an honest yeah, yeah. telling right. of how something is and how you feel mm -hmm. about it. Because I often find that in comedy, you know, with a few exceptions, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you're saying, like, Fleabag sort of acknowledges both sides. Like, it acknowledges that, like, hey, I'm trying to turn this into comedy to not deal right. with it, sort of. But... I also have to face that. This right, is and that there's there is out. something real mm -hmm. beyond this. And I think that's there's other movies and shows that I would say do this, but this does it better. Yeah. In that you're sort of like laughing at it, and then suddenly you're like, oh crap, that was just like mm. pretty honest, and like, oh now I'm kind of tearing up a little bit. Right. And I was just. Yeah. We were just making fun of this, weren't we? Yeah. And and I think one insight. I mean, there were like insightful moments without getting cheesy but i think her father at one point at the wedding towards the end says something about like i think you actually does he say like feel the most or like love the most yeah. of all of us yeah and i thought that was sort of a a good thesis of what they were trying to portray yeah. is and like she she shields it or like misdirects it a lot but it's because she feels so strongly yeah or is trying to right which is exactly out. how i would have characterized her mm -hmm. you know like right honestly speaking about things mm. in a world that she doesn't deny it, right. in a world in which everyone else denies it. Mm -hmm. There's a couple other like you know highlights that I have to mention, one of mm -hmm. which is that it totally caught me off guard in the wedding when the mother-in-law uh, is like being is introducing their father to someone mm -hmm. and she doesn't know his name. Oh, he doesn't yeah. have a name. Like very few of these characters, because if, if you look in the yeah, creators, yeah. very few of these characters like have names, right? And and I assume that our main character is. I mean, like I I I know that Phoebe Waller Bridge is titled in there as Fleabag. I don't. I just call her the main the character of the show. The yeah, show yeah. is called Fleabag. I, I right. get it. I um, but it's you know like just like the anal sex man or the like hot misogynist. <laughs> like they're right. roles. I don't think mm -hmm. her her name isn't Fleabag. Right. 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 Um, and I think it's a you know a, a, some a bit of irony mm. in, in her in her telling us the story through the show and also calling right. herself that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of self-deprecation to sort of cover the opposite. I mean, mm -hmm. so that moment was like fabulous. I was like, oh, yeah. what is his name? She doesn't know. I'm like, I don't know. He's you never know called his own name. Yeah. Like, um, and it was all and because um, she's uh, such a great, terrible character. <laughs> right. Um, 
the other part that I like is again in the episode with the Women in Business Award mm-hmm. when she's like trying to get the the stat, the golden statue woman yeah, back, yeah. which is like I, I couldn't have found anything better. <laughs> um, and then she's like, "Is this story like long and interesting?" And like, I ah, see so they go to a bar. One of the yeah. things that she says is, um, "You know, people is all we have," mm-hmm. uh, which I think is uh, one of those things that I think about as we as I get older. Uh, not like I'm super old or anything, but yeah. um, the true value mm-hmm. in things yeah, yeah. Uh, is people. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, talking before we started recording about yeah. some um, memorabilia that I had gotten from my older brother over the weekend. I'm actually mm-hmm. holding here a a ruler called the Chem Rule, which I believe belonged <laughs> to my great grandmother, who was quite an academic. It has a, on one side, it has I don't know. 39, it's a 40 inch, 40 millimeter ruler, and the other it has a list of periodic table of elements. Um, mm-hmm. My kids find them fabulously entertaining. And yeah. my, I also have my mom's old original Viewmaster from like the mm-hmm. 70s, which my kids find really fun and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, those items in and of themselves um, didn't have a whole lot of value to me. You know, they're something there, some manner of keepsake. Yeah. Um, but being able to share them with someone else and have them you know enjoy them is sort mm-hmm. of their their true value mm-hmm. um i also think too i mean just thinking of other things i mean like yeah. uh some of david brooks's most recent writing as well i mean there's there's some cultural lies we tell ourselves mm-hmm. like that professional achievement will bring happiness right um and uh whatnot and i think that part of what ms waller bridge is talking about in the show is that there's some there's a different world and I, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I mean I read too much into it I mean I would say you know yeah. in some sense she's taking aim at us as the social media audience if we play mm-hmm. some of that role to say that like there's substance there's a level of substance in the world that matters mm-hmm. um, and it mainly has to do with people yeah um, and they really bring us our greatest value yeah I thought that was interesting her sitting down for a drink with that um, businesswoman yeah um, who I think she, you know, I think there was a few connections she found. The priest is one who is kind of like a kindred spirit. Yeah. And then uh, this woman who, you know, is sort of she sees as basically like an older version of herself, possibly. Yeah. In some, I mean, as far as like um, their view of the world, sort of. Yeah. And and it kind of took someone more mature uh, in life to kind of tell her like, yeah, you know, like we try to blow off whatever these things are important, but like you said, it, it is like ultimately the people yeah. that are important. And I think that's what the message we get with sort of her sister and stuff too. I mean, her whole family, but that however much they try to play off that they don't care that much. And I think it is interesting that through that whole thing, at least in the relationship with her sister, she is shown as like, I do care about my sister. It's her that like doesn't really let me. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me in or let me care for her or be there for her. So she's not like the straightforward, horrible character that I think some people might I don't misinterpret know, this is, her this as. one person. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, but yeah, I think that would be easy to, to call right. out. Um, and I think we also, it's interesting, we see her in her cafe where she has to like keep convincing people like, no, it's going really well. Like, it's, it's actually nice successful. It is going really well. Yeah, and like you think... She she has like this what is it like Chatty Wednesday or Chatty whatever Wednesdays, yeah and it's like she seems to legitimately like enjoy this and her yeah. her regulars and stuff and mm-hmm. it's like it's it's good like she's yeah. she's found a place where she settled into that so I think those are nice touches 
to kind of show like she's not in the same place that she was in that last season. Yeah. It's like a lot of people that don't believe that she's not sort of. Yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, I this show once again sort of snuck up on me and um, made me sort of love it. Again, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think probably what's what I would say is her most towering achievement yeah. um, is being able to create um, a second season mm-hmm. for a very innovative show mm-hmm. that uses most of the same structure as the original mm-hmm. and tells a new and interesting story all along the way. Yeah, um, I also there's just an element of, I mean, people because I know about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, uh, like an artist, I think needs to know what they're skill set is mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a short story writer mm-hmm. don't write a novel right right and if you're a novel writer like maybe short stories aren't your thing mm-hmm. right? you got to know yeah. uh, what your thing is and i think she uh is great at mm. telling stories that that progress in a direction and don't repeat themselves mm. um and having watched you know, like i mean there's like we live in the golden age of streaming of television yeah. um there's just some there's a refreshing experience for me as a viewer to have a person go through a story arc that is mm-hmm. not repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly she comes back to certain issues, mm-hmm. but she, every time she comes back, she has a she has a new relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And she's progressing in a direction. The story is progressing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, these people are always this way. Right. Which I think, you know, happens when you create characters and put them in a space the same way like in like Lord of the Rings, people get really fixated on the world. The world is awesome, but the mm-hmm. world exists to tell a story. Yeah. And the story is ultimately what is most interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. Yeah, and I'm excited for, apparently she's doing some um, tweaking of the new James Bond script. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she made some statement about, like, we, we can't just portray women the same way in James Bond films anymore. Yeah. And she's like, we're not going to do that. Um, so I'm excited to see what she sort of adds to it, which I'm yeah. guessing also a little bit of humor, but, yeah. uh, so that'd be cool. I'm excited to see what she does next. Another sort of point of connection for us would be Detective Pikachu. Detective the, Pikachu. The Pokemon movie. Pokemon movie. Which, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I felt about it going in, but the trailers actually looked pretty good. I'm not like a huge Pokemon person. Apparently I knew more of the Pokemon than I... Thought I did yeah. going into it. Well, it I was, was like, like, oh yeah, that's uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot either, but like, it was like the ba- I mean, like the classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it did fit into I think for me and you, as we may have talked about, it's sort of neo noirish. It's not sort of. I mean, it Very, is like yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Looked like it could be set in you know Blade Runner world. Yeah, a little I mean bit in the city. Yeah, um, or, or certainly like whatever. What's it? Blade Runner twenty ninety nine. What was the new one? Yeah, twenty. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, certainly like a, um, like that or like the world of fifth element or, um, you know, the sort of like, yeah, which they didn't have to do, which is a nice, nice touch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, like kind of a noir, I mean, like the son of a detective missing. I mean, like this is like classic setup and like some like guy with a Mm -hmm. detective hat comes in who's lost his memory. I mean, right, right. Um, and I, you know, I'm a sucker for that. It's like murder mystery plus mm-hmm. like puzzle film plus double cross. And there were like mm-hmm. a lot, there's like three or four double yeah. crosses in there. Um, plus I love the integration of the world of just seeing it, like yeah. that they coexist with these Pokemon yeah. and they handled that really well. It was just fun to be like, 
in those big city shots, like how the Pokemon are integrated. Yeah. The Snorlax is like sleeping in the middle of the street, but they just got to like deal with it. Yeah. Like traffic controllers and stuff. So I think all those things were handled really well. It'd be fun to like rewatch yeah. um, to catch those different moments. Yeah. And yeah, I mean the way like they use the mime to interrogate the mime yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. And the, uh, I'm trying to remember, the duck one, what's it called? Psyduck. Psyduck. Yeah. was really funny, too. They just kept coming, like, why are we going in these tense situations when yeah, yeah, this yeah. one gets really nervous, it's going to yeah. explode. Uh, so a great thought behind, I think, some of those yeah. those moments. That's yeah, I mean, this is totally inappropriate, but not. <laughs> um, it, it reminded me of, like, the Mortal Kombat movie, mm. um, which I thought, I mean, when I watched it as a kid, yeah. I thought it was great. It's pretty great, yeah. Well, um, good, yeah. And certainly, like, you know, it, it, mainly because... Like, like the signature elements of our characters all get worked in, including mm-hmm. like the fireball, you know, and everything. Yeah. But in, in, in a story that sort of in which they make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Psyduck is like doing his attack all the time. You know, right, I mean, right. it's like yeah, yeah. they're all, um, their abilities are special. Mm-hmm. And they're special in the game and they're special in the world. Mm-hmm. And it just, it seemed to capture the same reverence yeah. for the uniqueness of the characters that they did in the Mortal Kombat film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and also it, it just, it, everything seemed really motivated. Like, like, yeah. like all the characters did things of a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, that just seemed interesting. And, and I, you know, and I liked the, it was like easier for my 10 year old and harder for my seven year old to track <laughs> all the different things that happened with Mewtwo True. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But I also like that Mewtwo was, um, good. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Ultimately, it was actually yeah, familiar. which is you know a, a classic noir yeah staple. Like I mean yeah, sort of, yeah, you know, and I think it's sort of like in like the adult noir, like mm-hmm. the presumed good person becomes evil. Right. By saying that the kid yeah, yeah. noir, like the presumed evil thing becomes good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I mean, I just have a love for like the most powerful thing in the world, like generally being benevolent. Yeah. As opposed to the other way around. Yeah, I would say maybe for a kids film that ending becomes a little too complicated with like taking over the minds and stuff like that was like a little bit much. It also wasn't super clear why they physically become one thing. Yeah, right. I was like, that didn't happen in the other. I don't know, but right. it was a little crazy. But it was a crisis, you know. But ultimately, it was my seven year old's like, yeah, they saved him. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's what I got from it. Pokemon, I'm like, great. Yeah, yeah, it wraps itself up really nicely like resets everything a little night more nicely than is probably possible but but yeah i I think my 10 year old and i had a lot of fun with it and he's not like a super pokemon fan either but um is familiar with it enough has played it some uh so i think all of those elements come together to be really great and and like it's interesting that you brought up mortal kombat because i think kind of famously there hasn't been good uh, video game adaptations into film. Yeah. Um, but like it maybe hasn't, um, aged well, but at the time, like I said, Mortal Kombat was super fun and and great. And I think this is going to hold up, um, pretty well or right now is pretty good translation of sort of a video game. Yeah. And I mean, from the research that I've done on it, I mean, Mm -hmm. like it's based on the game Detective Pikachu. It's it's not just like a, a which I didn't really know about. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't. And I hadn't heard about it either. Cause I, I mean, I know that like, if you look at any list of like all Pokemon games, Mm -hmm. which I have before Mm -hmm. it shows up and I was like, I I haven't heard of it. Never played it. Don't don't know anyone who played it. But, um, but I think they had a good, you know, like it's uh, a lot of the other 
general Pokemon video games, at least. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you run around, go to the tall grass, get your Pokemon, do the thing, research, you know. It's the same kind of story, which is not terribly interesting in and of itself if there isn't, like, Pokemon involved. Mm -hmm. But this story, I mean, it could be Pokemon or anything else. I mean, it also reminded me a lot of Zootopia. Hmm. Um, The same way in which there's, like, someone is trying to disrupt the unity of a place by Mm -hmm. making these, you know, these civilized beings seem more feral that's true. Um, yeah. Which I think is, you know, it, it echoes like Peter Brown's children's literature work <laughs> um, in which like wildness is contrasted with uh, modernity yeah. um, and, and trying to find a way in which, you know, like natural, like the natural can exist in the mm-hmm. same world as the modern and it, you know, would be right. recognized. And they didn't totally try to deny it, but I think they did sort of work around the problem of like this weird capturing these Pokemon yeah. in these balls and making them battle yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. seem great when you actually think about it. Yeah. And so they, they, I mean, they addressed it enough and then created a environment where that doesn't happen very much. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, and we, I mean, you know, again, like my experience of it was shaped by uh, the the things that were showed, shown before it, we at Flix where we saw it. Mm. Um, and they showed like, a, like a, the first time that Pikachu appears in the old... Um, Pokemon animated show. Yeah, which I think might have been the first episode. Huh. Uh, anyway, and so Ash, the head trainer, yeah. like tries to put him in a Pokeball, and he uh-huh. like won't do it. <laughs> he like throws the Pokeball at him, and Pikachu just throws it back. <laughs> and, and Ash's mom says, "Oh, look, he's playing catch." <laughs> and he's like, "Ah," um, yeah. which I which I just think sort of sets up the Pikachu character and other Pokemon as well. It's like mm-hmm. that there's um, that you know it's not just about getting them all and then you know yeah having them battle i and and i did like that unlike the general tv shows that like the battling was because it was some pokemon battles battles. and there was like an underground battle yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i mean it was like you know what should i use you know like i said that you know like whatever shock tackle or this move yeah yeah um which you know which is clearly you know a nice homage to that sort of element Mm -hmm. of what being a pokemon trainer is all about commanding a pokemon um but it also just seemed uh, integrated into the rest of the story. Very natural, yeah. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. and again, in the same way that Mortal Kombat integrated all these moves that we do in this game, <laughs> um, but also like made them motivated and part of a, a larger narrative. Right, right. That reminds me of one thing I want to bring up briefly is the new season of Black Mirror. I don't know if you've had I haven't a chance seen to it. watch it. But the first, there's only three episodes, but the first episode is sort of this play on Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter a little bit, uh, where these two guys, you know, let's say early 20s, were roommates and they like would love playing like this fighting game Mm -hmm. similar to that called striking vipers which is the name of the episode and then uh we cut ahead to now the one roommate is married and settling into suburban life with kids and then now there's this new sort of very realistic like vr version where you can go in and it feels like you're the real person and so his buddy kind of shows back up again and lets is like you know Late at night, they're like, hey, oh, you're online. Let's play this new, like, VR version that's very realistic. And uh, anyways, you, you should probably check it out. But it, it turns into one is a, a female character in the game and one is a male. And they end up uh, sort of hooking up in the game. And it becomes very realistic. And so they sort of, like, end up doing this. And they're kind of, like, dealing with, like, well, I don't really into this otherwise. And so overall, my comments would be, 
I don't think the episode deals with what you might think that brings up about sexuality and the modern world and different yeah. ways that people think and is a, ends up a little more traditional and how it views it. Cause at one point they're kind of like, well, we should see if we're gay. And then they're like, Oh, we're definitely not gay. And we're like, we're not into each other in real life, but it's just kind of like dismisses some of these things instead of like exploring them a little bit more. Um, but I thought it was a, a really unique, it, it's like a, a good setup, I guess, yeah. um, for some of this, but I think ultimately this kind of, I don't know. There's a new Twilight Zone series, which I've also been watching from Jordan Peele. Good. And uh, some of it's pretty good. Some of it's pretty good. I think I always kind of am a sucker for, I think, those short form sort of stories yeah. that have like these twists, which I think Black Mirror kind of falls into. Yeah. And I think the new Twilight Zone can't avoid being about technology a lot these days. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of Black Mirror's thing. Yeah. So I, I would say there's still a difference, but... Um, I think the newer seasons of Black Mirror, especially since it switched to Netflix, has gotten a lot of flack for maybe not being as good. And I can't, I won't say that you can't judge it the same way. You can't critique it as strongly as other things, but I think it's doing so much to bring out these topics that are um, innovative and that we don't think about. That I'm not saying it's beyond critique, but I think people are a little bit too hard on them sometimes. Right, I mean... Like, it's it's really hard to nail those landings, which I think is usually, like, shades our understanding of, like, well, did I like that episode? It's like, well, the ending. But I think sometimes I realize it's more like, well, yeah, but the journey was really interesting. Yeah. And the ideas it brought up is way, mm-hmm. way better than what I watch in other shows, yeah. which are really simplistic. And it usually goes for it. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's too dark, but, like... That's like what the first episode. Like the first episode, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I also think, um, like, my wife and I, uh, well, my wife's been reading some, like, journeying some into classic sci-fi. Hmm. Um, either, you know, mo- mostly book on book on tape. Yeah, yeah. Like, audio <laughs> book as she drives yeah. to work. Um, but, I mean, like, like classic sci-fi has mm-hmm. a very, at least in my mind, even has a very unique style. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, yeah. the characters are flat. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly. There's not a story that's all that compelling, though. There may be a little bit there. Yeah. But it's mainly about like this idea mm-hmm. or a concept. Right. And I think like you know that's what sort of Black Mirror does. I would say mm-hmm. like the first. I mean, there are some like episodes in the first one, two, three seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean that are like. Really excellent. Yeah. I, I mean they will, especially like the Christmas one. Mm-hmm. I mean that's like one of the greatest hours of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's amazing, you know, and yeah. like San Junipero, I mean, a couple of the other ones yeah, as well, that, they're like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it's almost, again, like some multi-layered Monty Python sketches, but in a different right. way that you're like, and, and we're, we're only 35 minutes in and there's another layer to the story mm-hmm. and another layer to the story. Yeah. You know, and again, like it's, uh, it's just hard, I think, mm-hmm. to continually make Right. Something that's as innovative to the world as your first couple things. Because mm-hmm. then, cause, you know, like making episode two, three, four of Black Mirror, yeah. uh, it's in a world in which it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you're season four and um, you're writing a season of Black Mirror in a world in which Black Mirror already exists. Yeah. So, like, the, you know, and, and I think that, like, you just can't, that, yeah. I think it's unreasonable mm-hmm. to expect the same, like, level of innovation in every iteration of it. Yep. But, yep. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, and in an anthology series like that, basically you are creating a new series in every episode, yeah. a new world, and that's that's really difficult. Yeah. So I think sometimes people forget about all that work to go into it as well. Yeah, and I just wanted to linger one minute. Um, I haven't seen the episode Striking Vipers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just spent uh, three days playing Pathfinder at the Origins Game Convention mm, yeah. in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Had a great time. It was the first time I'd ever played uh, Pathfinder Society stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it. <laughs> um, but Pathfinder is like a um, like a tabletop role-playing game similar mm-hmm. to Dungeons & Dragons, which was created in or about when Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 came out, which a lot of people didn't like, and mm. folks who grew up playing it were like, this is too terrible, and created <laughs> Pathfinder. Um, and Pathfinder is... Um, Oh, the Pathfinder Society is like an organized play element of it. Hmm. So like there are like hundreds of modules and there's protocol for having your character and playing through various scenarios. They're mm-hmm. all fabulous and I've never seen anything like it. It's super fun. But yeah. one of the things that I <clears throat> noticed, uh, which is something I've noticed in a lot of the other gaming communities that I'm a part of, whether it's tabletop wargaming or mm-hmm. at the miniature games or role playing, is that a character... Going th- portraying themselves either in like a person portraying mm-hmm. themselves a- as the character in a place or going through a story like it it is a mode of self expression mm. um, and you know I mean I've I mean you know digressing here a great deal but you know, like <laughs> um, in uh, like this game that I play called Warhammer 40k where you can mm-hmm. have various armies that fight each other and there are many 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 choices and you paint your miniatures and push them around the table one to one one another yeah. I've had many conversations with people lengthy deep conversations about mm-hmm. why they play like why do you play mm-hmm. orcs or why do you play this elder like why do you yeah. play these particular races and it was after you know years and years of that that i realized that you know this these are a, a, an essential mode of self-definition and self-expression for a lot of people involved including myself like mm-hmm. why do i always play the good guys you know yeah, like, yeah. that's where i want to be you know right um and i find that uh to to talk like I, I was, I've always been offended by the notion of escapism, mm. uh, which is simplistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, um, but what I sort of saw, it, it's simplistic, and it doesn't get to, the, it doesn't capture what what I think exists in a modern world where you can have people mm-hmm. who interact with each other through a mitigated medium, whether it be mm-hmm. a online, uh, massively online game, mm-hmm. or uh, like a just regular sort of online game, or even through like these organized play things to the Pathfinder Society or other mm-hmm. sorts of ways in which people can get together um, and interact with one another through another medium, yeah. um, it, it, it allows a kind, of, a, a, a kind of self-expression that we generally discount. Mm. Like, so, I mean, I haven't seen Striking Vipers, right? Yeah. But the idea that, like, well, I just do that virtually, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, or I don't know what they talk about it, but right. I mean, I, I, for, I think it is... As essential, like both of those mm. elements, who the person is outside of the mitigated mm. uh, virtual space or fantastical mm-hmm. space, and the person that is inside of it, they are they are they are one of the same person. Mm. Um, and you know, playing in a video game or in a role playing setting and having that person or other person be in that space, mm-hmm. it is not they're not escaping from their other person. It mm. is just another aspect of their mm-hmm. um, self expression. And, and I think about it too, like like when I even like with work we do um, as as artists or filmmakers yeah. or when I like play, I play on a rugby team. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that have their own identities, but they also have another identity on this rugby team that I play mm. on. Right. And both of yeah. those identities are essential to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you may some individual person may like one of them more than the other or may feel that they are able to express themselves better mm-hmm. on the rugby field or other places um and i think that um there are clearly a hierarchy of socially acceptable mm. ways of redefining yeah, yeah, yeah. or renegotiating your identity um, and like being part of a team or a community or, you know, there's various ways that are like, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if it comes to uh, games or gaming or even some level of, you know, art creation, it's like, well, you know, it, it's yeah. just looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, and uh, I mean, those of us, those of us, Eli, <laughs> that grew up struggling, you know, in yeah. our own basements, you know, creating <laughs> worlds and killing vampires, you know, in our, right. in our, um, there quiet in the dusky rooms of our childhood <laughs> homes, um, uh, have always, you know, settled um, mm-hmm. for the fact that generally what we do is considered like silly and right. pointless and dumb and yeah. we're all just a bunch of losers. The world is now run by us, you know, or at least many part of us. Right, right. Um, and I think that people have been realizing, like the episodes in Freaks and Geeks, if you haven't seen it, uh, where they played D&D together, mm-hmm. um, that uh, it it is a kind of playful self-expression that is very mm. deeply valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I look at, for example, when I was at uh, Origins in Columbus, mm-hmm. if you, when I look across at this group of people, like, um, like the convention happens every year during Columbus Pride, like, mm-hmm. you know, a mass, uh, vast majority of the convention goers mm-hmm. had like ally tags on mm. their convention things. There were a lot of... Uh, like a variety of LGBT folks, a bunch of trans folks, like mm. a, a whole, like a very yeah. accepting community of a lot of people. Mm. Um, and there was like a lot more variety of people and stuff than I, than I see in, in various areas, not yeah, yeah. Areas, than I see in other places. And as if it's generally like can be mm-hmm. um, a very accepting community, certainly a lot more males than females, but there's a variety, yeah. but like there is a lot of, um, a lot of acceptance inside of bounds. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what the Striking Vipers episode was trying to get at. Yeah. That, like, we can have this virtual aspect of our lives, maybe as we continue into the future, yeah. that can still be a representation of who we are, yeah. even though it's not something we have traditionally seen, you know, in the past, um, but can still be us, but um maybe didn't handle it in yeah. in the best way but it, it was re- so i think ultimately like things that are reaching for that yeah. to say those kind of things are still interesting in of themselves absolutely but acknowledge that maybe it doesn't always pull that off and speaking of um i think i've been rewatching season 2 of stranger things oh yeah yeah and i think that's a big piece of it like rewatching it is that the way that they frame their very strange experience that's happening mm-hmm. to them um, is through D&D, right? Yeah. That they try to make sense of these supernatural things happening because of this game they played, mm-hmm. which isn't, you know, like a normal experience we have. But it still helps us understand who are the enemies and what are these unusual things happening to us, you know, unexpected things in life. Um, and it... Uh, comes back to sort of what we're talking about that people are important yeah and so it still creates this sort of team feeling um, that connects to the, these kids maybe outside of other people get that in sports or whatever it might yeah. be um, that team aspect but uh, I think that is 
that is really unique. But and I think the yeah. team aspect that we're talking about for me is mm-hmm. is not so much like being part of a team, mm-hmm. but having a unique space in the team, mm-hmm. right? Having an, an identity which yeah. is valued mm-hmm. um, and integral. Yeah. As opposed to extraneous. Yeah, and I think the second season does illustrate that well. We get. Um, the introduction of Max, Mad Max, um, the new female character. The Zoomer. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, who has trouble sort of fitting into this new group and finding her place. And a lot of it has to do with them not wanting, some of the the group not wanting her yeah. to be in, in that role. They don't believe um, in Zoomers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I think it's, it, this show is so fun and, um, I know we did an episode on season two and season one, but, uh, I really, I, I've been trying to think, I guess, like, I don't really revisit, especially TV shows, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. I don't really feel the need to rewatch like a season of something very much. Maybe it's just a, a big investment too. Um, and I don't rewatch a ton of films either unless they're really my favorites, but I wanted to revisit this and I, and we've talked about on here, like that's a period that we grew up in. It's very nostalgic to us. We watched a lot of the movies that it's based on Mm -hmm. and sort of inspired by. And we've talked about how it kind of does its own thing, but I kind of wanted to rewatch and say like, well, do I like it because of only this nostalgic factor or is there something more? And I think it is just a well-made show and it's not maybe everybody's cup of tea. I mean, it's very popular, but um, but I think it's also just really well made, well written, well structured, and fun, um, and a fun experience overall. So, and, and I also bring this up too because I think so. Netflix in particular has really been cranking out original content, right? Mm-hmm. Throwing it out there like we don't care if you're paying attention or not. Like it's gonna be there. Yeah. All this new content. But as I go through it. I'm like, you know, I've checked out a f- some, uh, quite a few of these things that I might, they look exciting at first, but ultimately they feel a lot pretty empty. So I come back to like, well, let's say something like HBO where they don't release a ton of things, but usually they are pretty quality. And um, so I think there is something that I'm falling back to in this sort of new streaming world that maybe a little more traditional approach of like, let's make sure there's quality writing and production behind this, or maybe not just like slick production um, to make it look fancy, but it's kind of empty ultimately uh, is important. So like, for example, um, yes, True Detective season three, I really enjoyed. Um, It was actually pretty bold to put it out ultimately. I don't think it like, met a lot of people's expectations mm-hmm. of what it was supposed to be. I've been watching um, Chernobyl. Um, haven't finished it yet, but on HBO, which apparently is one of the highest rated shows in a long time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think, again, they, they are taking the time to say, we're going to choose these projects wisely. We're going to really invest in them and make sure um, there's sort of a lot of love put into them. Uh, and, and Netflix, I feel like, is is very much more of a hit or miss um, sort of feeling. And Stranger Things ultimately is one of the ones that really does warrant, I think, that affection that a lot of people have for it. Um, and I'm looking forward to season three somewhere. 
Yeah, yeah um, I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said <laughs> about stuff. I mean, I think Stranger Things um, is a fabulous show. Mm-hmm. I think that it was evident from the very beginning yeah. that it was a fabulous show. I mm-hmm. mean, I the thing that I think of is another thing that we started talking about, too, before we started recording is I started playing this new video game recently. It's called The Way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like a side-scrolling a uh, puzzle game with a little bit of parkour in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based. Uh, it's it, it's eight bit in style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based primarily off of um, uh, a game called Flashback, which mm-hmm. I played as a kid. It was just super hard when I played it. But <laughs> you know, in Flashback, you sort of wake up on this exotic island and you mm-hmm. you have to work your way through and go through these puzzles and slowly you get your memory back and discover who you are, where you ended up there. And yeah, um, in the way, I mean, I just. Eli and I watched the way the trailer the for trailer, it. Yeah. You know, it's like this: you guys in a trench coat in this, this <laughs> graveyard, and it sounds like the music of Biangela. So it feels like it's the beginning mm-hmm. of um, uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, you know, yeah. and then it, you know, and it's just this uh, amazingly sort of well done thing. And also has, you know, I mean, I think most mm-hmm. things that are mysteries have this sort of noir quality. I think there's going to be a twist in it later. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a it's a genre, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and and it is a genre defined defined by a particular game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been many different things in this genre. I mean, you could call it the flashback genre, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that, um, I, and I think honestly, like if you look back historically, at least in terms of like literature, mm-hmm. um, you'll find that oftentimes a new kind of story or method of storytelling will define something. Other things will then follow it, and we'll often call it its more generic thing. Like this is. Yeah. Um, particular kind of novel mm-hmm. this is the travel novel you know but right. it's like really it's based off of so-and-so's book like it's mm-hmm. based off Moby Dick or like you know right. it's based off of you know this adventures in Africa or something like that um and so I think that Stranger Things is like it is a genre piece it mm-hmm. is a it is an 80s film you know right, right. Or, or like a neo 80s film I don't know what yeah, you yeah. call it uh but it 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 like what it is its genre is 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 only is is almost irrelevant to its quality, mm. um, and I think yeah. that there are other. It's just it, it's like I don't. What do I say? <laughs> it, it feels like, and I don't. I haven't thought about this before, so pardon my thing on the spot. Mm-hmm. But it, it almost feels like Stranger Things is like an evolution of parody, mm. um, where you have these stories which are like, you know, like. Everything Will Ferrell's in, you know, yeah, yeah. or, um, you know, like not another teen movie or mm-hmm. all these things that are making fun of genre films. It, it seems like Stranger Things is is that just like, you know, after having decades of that, you just turn the corner and say, OK, yeah, we're going to make an 80s film, but it's going to be fucking awesome. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um because it, because I think for a lot of time, and still in talking to other people, they don't know exactly what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is is interesting and innovative in the way that it uses things. Mm-hmm. But in some sense, it's like, and I and I don't. This is not meant pejoratively, but yeah. like it could be a pirate film or it could be <laughs> a robot film. Like yeah, like yeah. the kind of genre it is doesn't really matter mm-hmm. much, except that like you know, it, being an '80s film like Dungeons and Dragons is a central part of it, and the right. the time period. Mm-hmm. Is essential to it, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's almost irrelevant to right. what makes it good, which is good writing, good structure, good action, and it mm-hmm. uses all the elements of the genre to tell a really exciting that story w- while still being playful, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
Which is something that, which is why I think if I, you know, if I like, if I, if my theory is correct, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it comes ultimately out of the same kind of thought process that these sort of genre-based parodies come out of. Right, right. Like, I was always fascinated, for example, that, like, libertarians were generally conservative. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't think you were in that particular genre, but it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's a... It's a kind of philosophy that develops by pushing an argument in a particular path for a long mm-hmm. time, um, and I think that that's sort of what happens with Stranger Things. It's yeah. just fantastic. I right. one of the I, I can't wait until I, I w- I'm able to like watch it with my oldest son. Yeah, because I think he'll find it so exciting. So exciting. Another talking about sort of like playing into a specific genre or style. Something I think that hasn't gotten enough attention is this Amazon series called Homecoming. Yeah, um, which is based on a podcast actually, and uh, is also by the same creator as Mr. Robot, which you may have heard me express my love for in the past, um, made by Sam Esmail. But it is sort of like a paranoid thriller throwback to like the 70s, Mm. sort of, Mm -hmm. Um, like very bare bones, um, a lot of like long takes. And it does sort of like the zoom in sort of thing. <laughs> the slow you know? zoom? Yeah, like the slow zoom to create sort of tension and stuff. Um, but they're only half an hour episodes. Hmm. So it's kind of this fun thing of like, it's kind of like a slow drama. But then like, you're like, oh, that's over. And there's like a um, cliffhanger sort of at the end yeah. of every episode. So it's sort of like a fun, like, normally you're like sitting back to watch an hour long drama here. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's over. Okay. And um, so there's a lot of uh, fun things like that. Uh, it, Julia Roberts is actually in it and playing mostly dramatic role. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun to see her doing something a little bit different. Yeah. And But I, I just really enjoyed it. There, there's a great thing it does like at the end, which actually the new Twin Peaks series also sort of did. But like over the credits, it just sort of like hangs on the last scene. So like whether it's somebody in like a big you know, warehouse, like, where there's store, like, files down these different aisles, and it's just, like, a guy, like, going through a box of, like, files mm. quietly, like, while the credits roll. Yeah. Um, so somebody's sitting in their office, and you just see them, like, continue to work hmm. quietly, um, which, I, I don't know, just has this, like, unique take of, like, letting you sort of process the episode yeah. and, and what's happening. And like I said, there is sort of, like, a subtle cliffhanger in a lot of these. Yeah. So you're sort of, like... It's kind of the documentary technique of yeah. like staying on the person you're interviewing mm-hmm. for a little bit longer than you yeah. uh, normally would like cutting away right away. You sort of see what happens after the sort of response. But yeah, Sam Esmail, I think, does some really unique things. He actually directs a lot of um, the stuff he writes, yeah. the episodes too. And so I think he's trying to do different things with the format. Uh, and the story is interesting. Uh, I mean, it's one of those shows where you sort of get caught up in just like a conversation between two people. Yeah. And it can be sort of like thrilling and suspenseful in of itself. But that's that's the one that I uh, didn't want to forget to mention. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I guess there's one other one which I have to mention, yeah. too, which is there's a new season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. Is I, it the last season? I, th- I mean... I think they're ending it. But well, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. so I, I mean, I is he just got like... I think it's like the third season because I watched okay. season one and two. Yeah. Um, and then I just was on there the other day. I've been watching uh-huh. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend finally into that one. Man, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. That woman can write and those songs are amazing. <laughs> um, 
But, and then it was like, it was just popped up. It was like, new season of Ash versus Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've watched a couple episodes and it's funny. I mean, it's, nice. I, I mean, it's, they, you know, it's, it's like a getting the band back together for one sort of big thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, sprawling and all over the place. So all this stuff is, but it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. there's buckets of blood everywhere yeah. and. I've seen most of the first season. More creative, do you know, oh yeah, there's, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what happens. Right, right. That's not But there's a lot of like cool stuff and Mm -hmm. he's got a shotgun and (laughs) he gets a, and then he gets a robotic hand at some point. That show really goes for it, right? Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, it's. Goes all out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I Bruce watched the, Campbell's great just to let him do that role. Yeah, I mean right? this is just put Bruce Campbell. In. I mean there there was um, he like finds he has a daughter his hmm. daughter and, oh. um and his like a, apparently he was married once hmm. he got he eloped um, and his wife got killed by a crazy demon in a school that threw a symbol at her and like she tried to stop it by putting up her hands so it cut <laughs> off all of her fingers and then her fingers fell on the floor and then it, like her head slid off. And, of course it did. Um, yeah. And they had, there was like a giant, like they had like a school mascot that like got possessed by a dead eye. <laughs> and then it was like this giant, like evil bunny kind of thing, reminiscent of Donnie Darko. Anyway, yeah. I, I mean, I, and, and Some he, yeah, he started a, um, like a hardware store and sex toy emporium in his hometown. <laughs> I don't know. They just, I, no one else does it to Goes level 35 the way you know they do. <laughs> so i i find it fun I, they can keep making them and i don't i'm gonna watch them all watch them all yeah yeah with a towel to wipe the blood off myself <laughs> my uh last two things i want to mention is uh there's been some chatter about this original film on netflix called the perfection yeah which reminds me you're talking about ash versus evil dead has some pretty crazy violence in it hmm. um pretty intense but i don't know i think it's sort of like either love it or hate it sort of thing Mm -hmm. and for the reasons you're kind of talking about that it just sort of like goes for for everything and just wackiness and it's got some really good twists and it's kind of the sort of thing where like yes if you really think hard about it logically it's probably not gonna make sense but if you just sort of go with the experience of it it's it's a pretty wild fun ride um to be able to watch has some really unexpected moments and and very goes back to some older like de palma movies which i sort of enjoy um and sort of his his wacky uh turn of events that happen um coincidences that happen and come together um so i ultimately i appreciated it i wouldn't pick it like my favorite film of the year Mm, but I, i appreciate somebody working in that mode and then one that I know a lot of people talked to, talked about on the year end lists for last year was Burning. Yeah. And it popped up on Netflix. Um, finally caught up with it. And yeah, I, it, it's totally like all the praise people are giving it is totally worth it. Mm, worth the hype. You heard it here. Yes, that's right. Uh, I would recommend people watch it. It's, it's kind of a slow burn um, called Burning, but uh, it's a slow burn. And, uh, but really fascinating sort of character study. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really hard to classify the film, which I, I always appreciate that. And, um, has some, I don't know, sort of like David Lynch moments, but I still wouldn't like, it's not a copying David Lynch by yeah, any means, yeah. but has that like, what am I watching? Yeah. And you know, 
well, I talked about this with the the new Twin Peaks series, but overall, I would say like as a series of moments, I was really caught up in those moments. Mm-hmm. Does it like yeah. come together as a whole that I can understand what happened? No, but like, and, and I'm not saying Burning is that way as far as like it does. Not necessarily to make sense as a whole, but like there are certain moments that are just so like beautiful and unexpected um, that really caught me off guard Mm -hmm. because it's it's kind of a minimal film overall. Um, It also one of those moments includes a Miles Davis song from a a French film, an older French film, and he did sort of this improvised soundtrack for the film and and i had actually seen it i think as uh, a reprint in the theater mm-hmm. elevator to the gallows um but i didn't remember the music being so good so they used one of the song which definitely i think now inspired the music for twin peaks actually mm-hmm. um so there is all these kind of uh it sounds quite Lynchian, connections yeah yeah, yeah. um but Turns out to be some really lovely moments. Um, one of the main characters, and he's a little bit of like, I guess maybe you call him the villain, is um, Glenn from uh, The Walking Dead. Oh. And it's kind of fun to see him. He's a very like suave, cool guy in mm-hmm. it. Um, so it's kind of nice to see him um, play some different roles because I think he's actually quite a good actor. Um, yeah. I mean, and he plays Keith in uh, Voltron, yes. Oh, really? In what? In Voltron? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, voice, actor. voice. Yeah, actor. yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, we um, like he's forever embedded in our children's yeah, world yeah. because of. His. He also, yeah, he, 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 he's a voice actor in a number of huh. medium and small time Netflix things. Nice. Yeah, like Stretch Armstrong. Right, right. So yeah, I uh, can't recommend that movie enough. I think it's oh, still, okay. even though people recommend it, you know, it's like a, a foreign film in a different language. So but I, I think know. you might bypass that, but. Um, yeah. It's uh, made me think a lot of things and feel a lot of things. Oh, so. Thinks and feels. Um, so I, I would recommend that. Anything else you wanted to throw out? Mm-hmm. Kind of naming off things. No, that's. I that's mean, good. as we said earlier, we've been pretty busy lately with a yeah. lot of things. I mean, I did. I I guess. I mean, I won't pass up the opportunity to talk. Um, I I've been watching Crazy Ex Girlfriend because my friend Marcy, you know, long time mm-hmm. listener. Um, has been suggesting it to me for years. And if you yeah, haven't seen the show, about it, yeah. it, it's fabulous. I mean, there's like like two to three uh, musical numbers every um, episode, episode, which is great, and they're mm-hmm. original and fantastic. It's kind of like like a one-woman Flight of the Concords kind of thing, but okay. not quite as silly. Mm-hmm. Um, she also, uh, I think she's the writer, Rachel mm-hmm. Bloom, um, has a really good sense of story arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sometimes to the detriment of individual <laughs> moments inside of it, mm-hmm. but like the in the big picture, like how does what happens in the middle point of season one, what happens at the end of season one? You know, mm-hmm. she ha- she had all those moments really worked out very well. Yeah. Um, and it, our, as our characters move through those moments, it's really mm-hmm. fun. You know, I mean, and I mean, like, but it's mainly be- the, it's the musicals. Yeah. And the fun story, but also the, <laughs> the, the musicals. musicals yeah. Part of it. yeah. I mean, nice. there's some really interesting and innovative moments and songs mm-hmm. in there. And uh, pretty much everyone is super talented and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's fabulous. <laughs> That's great, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard lots of things for the last couple of years about that. 
Yeah. Again. And uh, I mean, we already talked about Captain Marvel before, but my family mm-hmm. recently watched it. We like, mm-hmm. bought it on Amazon and watched it. And my wife loved it, and my kids have seen it now like three, four, five times. Oh, wow. I don't know. Um, I'm currently in the middle of it. But they, uh, they parents l- I have to watch. Yeah, in, they loved it. Pieces, I love so. it. I can't, I can't really say enough about how much I like the movie. In particular, I really like the. Um, uh, I don't. It's, a, it's towards the end of the film because I just mm. went in and saw them. But it's like when um, uh, Jude Law's character is like, "Come on, mm. like, and fight me without your powers," and she just like blasts him into the mountain. I was like, "That's how that's supposed to happen." Right, right. <laughs> well done. <laughs> My wife was mentioning, isn't Jude Law the voice of um, Iron Man's computer? Isn't that Paul Bettany? Is it Paul Bettany? I'm pretty sure. But Paul Darvis Bettany is. is uh, oh yeah, because he becomes. Vision, right? Yeah, it becomes Vision. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Life. Just because in America it's a British voice, yeah. we think it's... Yeah, too long. Um, that's true. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to finish it. I heard somebody say that Brie Larson is kind of boring in the role, and I was like, she's pretty fun so far. I mean, I'm only halfway through, but I, I'm enjoying her. I, I'm just going to say that most criticism of Captain Marvel is just sexist. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Also, like, I don't know. I, I'm just going to say, yeah. It's like people that don't like Michael Bolton, it's, it's, it's generally sexism. Not always. Mm. There's some legitimate, like, critiques of him, but yeah. uh, it's mainly sexism. Mm. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. What, like, yeah, that yeah. strikes me such the wrong way when people right, say right, that. Right. Um, because it's like, what? You like, wouldn't say that about the man. Right. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't say about it. the man, and like it's yeah. like it's like was it like why why couldn't we vote for Hillary Clinton? Uh, there's just some reason. Like what yeah. reasons? Are, I don't well, know. I, I just yeah. It's not presidential. It's something. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't. Um, uh, yeah. Because also, I mean, if you think of uh, other like you know uh, superhero comparisons, mm-hmm. you know, like um, do you need to balance like the look and the character? I mean, yeah. she's she's a really interesting character, mm-hmm. and and one of the most lively and entertaining uh female lead uh in yeah, I think so. in an action film and certainly in, in one of these marvel films i mean look right. look look at our other females i mean e- mm-hmm. even like um we cross over into um uh the, the sort of avengers series and you have black mm-hmm. widow who like she's super sad because she can't bear children and she ends up dying and it's like this is, these are pretty classic misogynistic yeah. tropes um right. Uh, and I think that they're much more conscious about that with Captain Marvel. Mm. And I think, like, she, of all of the characters, I mean, because the main advantage of this, the, the, when the, the Kree and Skrull conflict comes to Earth, mm-hmm. is to, like, show how Earth is now actually part of, or starting to be part of, like, a larger galactic conflict. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens in the story of Ben 10, um, mm-hmm. which is a fabulous story as well, you know, yeah. written by Man of Action. And I think Captain, and I think, like, um, Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. like, draw to take care of the larger issues, mm-hmm. and to and to be the only superhero that is concerned about anything except Earth. Honestly, right, um, really makes her character and her writing very interesting. Mm. Um, I also think she's a cool character. Yeah, um, you know, and I, and I think she's she's an interesting she's an interesting female character to begin with in the story, and that mm-hmm. she is. Like you know, uh, an arrogant Top Gun character who's female, mm-hmm. um, and there's not a lot of hers of that kind of character in other films. So she is both this like boastful, brash character mm-hmm. type, and she is yeah. also a woman character type. 
And I think they balance those really well in the film um, in a way that is both, you know, appropriate and interesting and evocative in its characterization of her yeah. in a women's role. Mm-hmm. And also um, really pays a lot of attention to the way in which she navigates her, you know, like top gun role mm-hmm. like that 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 element of her character has some really interesting things it has to deal with mm-hmm. in particular like transcending the petty concerns of a, i mean not petty but the small yeah. concerns of an earth mm-hmm. and honestly seems to fully understand what it means to help this like lost race of people mm. and to understand that with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> um and if you can fly in space and beat almost anything right that means you got some work to do right right and you need to go do it yeah Yeah. nice um cool i think we're gonna wrap it up there uh so that's a good list of things for people to check out super excited about um a lot of stuff coming up so there'll be a lot of stuff to talk about oh yeah yeah star wars stuff and I want to see um, the the last How to Train Your Dragon movie. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah. Trailer made, for that to go on. Trailer made me cry. Trailer, you ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited. We missed yeah. that in the theater. So yeah, and, and I'm excited. Uh, keep a watch out for our new season yeah. and our new format a little bit of what we're doing there. Um, and I think uh, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.